What's up, everybody? And welcome to the Grindhouse Syndicate. Grimy, dirty New York edition. Yeah. Going back in time to the to the 80s when New York was real and dangerous and had a garbage problem. I'm your host, a blood-covered mannequin, and this is my co-host, Heavy Breathing. And today we are covering a grindhouse cult classic slasher, Maniac from 1980. Feel like we haven't had a slasher in a while. Yeah. Uh, You're just really in New York. I forgot I was. about that. <laughs> I did. I just flew out of New York uh, like three days ago. Did it still have a garbage problem? I, I didn't get to go in the city. Mm. I don't know. I didn't get to go in the big city. Let's put it like that. But yeah, I feel like we haven't done a slasher. When What's the last slasher we did? I can't remember. I want to say Friday the 13th, but I don't. I think we've done one since then. Oh, yeah, I know we've done one since then. Oh, I don't ever remember our I can't remember, catalog. like, three episodes ago. Yeah, that's the problem I have. Yeah, I was telling somebody, somebody wanted some inside info on, um, you know, what the next episode, because they wanted to watch the movie, actually, before they listened to the episode. So I told them the next two movies, and then... Uh, I was editing tonight, and then, you know, I was like, oh, shit, those actually are not the next two movies. I forget that we are actually, like, we're ahead from what everyone else gets, what, like a week? It's been a week, sometimes it's been two weeks behind, but, uh, but yeah. Oh, to, you to, gave him the next two were I gave him the next, forward. yeah, that's why, yeah, I hit him back up and be like, hey, um, yeah, that's actually not the next two. There's one, and then there's, you know. Than the next two after that. Yeah, I have a hard time uh, remembering, like I said, two episodes ago. I, th- I, I will say, w- when I told Brooke what this episode was going to be on, she goes, good God, do you guys ever do any modern movies? We just like, that's did all a- we've done is modern movies. We just recently. did a modern movie. I know. I'm like, we've even done multiple movies that came out this year. Yeah, we did. We did Talk to Me and Saw X. She don't pay attention. That's no. a problem. I want to say the last slasher we did was Nobody Sleeps. Is that the name of it? Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight? Or is it Somebody no. Sleeps in the Woods Tonight? It's Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. I think that's the last one we did. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That that seems like it was a while ago. Yeah, I think it's been a while. Well, the reason that I thought that is because this is one of the first movies in a while where we've had kind of a bunch of different kills. Like, everyone was killed in different ways. That's, we actually get to pick a favorite kill. We did. Well, I guess that didn't make it. We did Jack Frost. He's a slasher. Yeah, I guess. The Grinch was supposed to be, I mean, the mean one. We're was still sitting on that episode. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh most of the episode got slashed. We yeah. don't have it recorded, but I have thirty-eight minutes of it. Yeah, that's that's not gonna slash it or cut it. It's nice to get back to just some plain old simple killing. Uh, back in my day, you didn't need any fancy camera work, sexy aspect ratios, and detailed storytelling. You just needed some good old-fashioned murder and titties. Almost what was all the saying? Baby oil, blood, and boobs. It's 80s, 80s slashers right there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Never heard the saying, but yeah, I came, I came up with it like two episodes ago. Oh, I remember I said I was gonna get a t-shirt. 
Uh, yeah, okay, well, wow, you really can't make it past <laughs> a, an episode again. <laughs> I remember talking about the movies. <laughs> uh, but first, if you want to stay up to date on what is going on with us or the show, talk about or submit your movie request or just say hey, you can always find us at one of our social media accounts or our official website at thegrindhousehorrorpod.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Grindhouse Syndicate Horror Podcast, Instagram at grindhousesyndicate.horror.pod, and many more, which you can find links for in the show notes as well. Uh, I just want to say, fuck TikTok, because I haven't told you yet, but we got shadow banned, by the way. What? Wait, you told me last week when they removed something. Yep, found out today we got shadow banned. The fuck is a shadow ban? Yep, had I to know fu- what it is, like, in Warzone. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, uh, so I made a new video. It was uh, basically the painstaking version of me editing. It was a little, it had a little, you know, it was worth a chuckle and I posted it and I waited and waited and waited and waited and never, no one ever seen it, which I thought was really weird. Um, eventually 12 people seen it for two seconds a piece, which I was like, Hmm, that's weird. So I looked it up and apparently when you have uh, an issue with content where your content is removed for violating standards, you get shadow banned. Uh, They don't tell you. There's no way to appeal it. There's nothing you can do about it. Basically, TikTok just hides your shit. doesn't show your shit to anybody. Didn't this just happen one time? Yep, that's all it takes. And we're not even really sure why it happened? Yep, that's all it takes. Uh, I did appeal the decision, so I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens there, but... Yep, totally, totally just said fuck us. So you appealed the decision to get shadow banned. No, or you can't. The, the video went that they the, took. the original video. Um, yeah. I went back and appealed it, hoping that it would be removed because now that is on our official record and that is apparently not you good. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just make a new one. <laughs> I mean, what? How many TikTok videos have we put out? Uh, I don't know. Couple, like Handful. three, four. I don't know. Yeah, fuck it. Make a new one. Yeah. Fuck you, TikTok. Here, here. Please subscribe and follow for alerts on new episodes. And if you really love us and don't want us to have to live in a really shitty dark apartment with mannequins in New York, give us a review. Maniac is a 1980 American psychological slasher film directed by William Lutzig and written by C.A. Rosenberg. It stars Joe Spinell as Frank Zito an Italian-American serial killer residing in New York City who murders and scalps young women. Spinell also co-wrote the film with Rosenberg. Because of the small budget, many scenes in the film were shot guerrilla style, a.k.a. illegally because they didn't have permits. Maniac has since attained a cult following despite receiving polarized reviews. The film was remade in 2012 and stars Elijah Wood in the lead role. I have not seen the remake and I don't know how I feel about Elijah Wood playing this character. He plays the main? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's deaf. Did, so, did they do it? Did they just take like the story and do it somewhere else? Or uh, it, like, does it take place in New York? Uh, I believe it does from... From everything that I do know about the remake, that it is pretty uh, similar to the original. It obviously has a way bigger budget, it's way nicer of a movie. But I will say that one surprising thing was people said that Elijah would really pulled it off. Wow. 
Yeah, that, I don't see him at all when I look at the original Frank. I even seen a few people, a number of people, say that this was one of the few situations where the remake was better than the original. Mm, did it? I assume it went through the MPAA. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a pretty big movie. It's probably not as good then. God, Elijah Wood can't even pass as a guy named Frank, <laughs> let alone play this character. <laughs> Like, you could never believe that his name was Frank. You know what he does really good is um, the that character he played in Yellow Jacket season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy's definitely not a Frank either. He he does that really well. Like, I feel like that's, you know, that's that's really where his groove is, is that kind of odd character. Or his character or, in Wilford. Or a Hobbit. Or, Wait, he played a that? really good Hobbit. Which is also no hobbits are named Frank. Like Frank is a murderous like, hobbit. Frank is like that's a movie now. That's a movie. Um, God, Frank is like a big guy. It's like a big guy name. Yeah, it's a guy with a big back, like a big, wide, burly back. Yeah, or like your pit bull, you name Frank. No. You don't name your Chihuahua Frank. Uh, while the film was originally considered an exploitation film. It was not a prosecutor for obscenity or nor officially listed as a video nasty. Maniac was seized by various police forces across Greater Manchester and Lancaster during the video nasty panic, presumably based on the film's notorious reputation overseas. Director William Ludstick, who previously had worked at uh, worked as a director of pornographic films used profits from his 1977 film Hot Honey to Make a Maniac. And I said I must have done pretty well because uh, the film had a $350,000 budget. And I looked that up with inflation. That is a $1.8 million. Did you look up Hot Honey? No. <laughs> That's, that might be No, it's from up. 1977, and I don't think I want to see any porno from 1977. It's like... Like it has like built-in editing. I feel you can't like there's see anything. It's just bush. It's. I was gonna say there's a lot of bush in that. There's a lot of George Bush in that. There's there's women with big hair and uh, on their head and in between their legs. Like there's just too much hair in those. Porn, so porn there's a lot films. of curtain and drapes. Yeah, yeah. The carpet is thick. Yeah. Uh, principal photography began on October 21st, 1979 and wrapped on January 18th, 1980. It was distributed by uh, Analysis Film Releasing Corporation. It is 88 minutes long and had a box office of 4.5 mil. Good job. That is pretty good. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, that's, how. what's the budget? 350000 300, Yeah, that's pretty good. I'll, I'll take that. It's a good investment. Many scenes had to be filmed guerrilla style because the production could not afford city permits, including the shotgun sequence, which was filmed in just an hour. The infamous sequence where Frank murders the boyfriend, played by Tom Savini, was loosely inspired by the Son of Sam murders committed by serial killer David Berkowitz. You know, they credit... David Tom Berkowitz. Savini. <laughs> no. <laughs> they, um, so in the credits, he's Disco Boy. Yes. But I swear, at one point, she calls him Tom. 
when she's trying to get him back in the car, I'm about 99% sure she calls him Tom. Yeah, that that's possible. Uh, interesting fact, Tom Savini actually started dating her uh, right after the production wrapped. Wow. Yeah, he, so, uh, he ended up moving in with her for a while. He she, actually got a nose job right after this and uh, ended up like living with her for a while while he recuperated from his nose job. She must have really blew his mind in this <laughs> in this scene. Um, oh man! A- interesting fact: I had no fucking clue Tom Savini was in this movie. So that was a very awesome surprise. Yeah, I didn't tell you much about that. I forgot this is your fir- your first time seeing this. Yeah, I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't I, tell you I, anything about it. I've heard of this movie before, and probably because then- the head explosion scenes one of the one of the most well known head explosion it, scenes. It wasn't that scene in particular, but it was the FX that has to do with the kind of the outrage around this movie. And I want to, I want to say, I seen it in a uh, Shutter show or something. They were, they yeah, were talking you probably about did. it, but um, I, I see what all the rage was about. Uh, Savini, who served as the film's makeup artist, received the role for the male victim from having already made a cast of his own head, which was filled inside with leftover food and fake blood. Since Savini used live ammunition for the scene, he immediately threw the shotgun into the trunk of a waiting car driven by an assistant, Luke Walter, to avoid being caught by the police. Maniac had a midnight screening at the Keynes Film Festival on May 10th of 1980. The film had its U.S. premiere in New York City on January 30th, 1981, followed by a Los Angeles premiere on March 6th. Since the film was not submitted to the MPAA, the film was released unrated with the designation for adults only. A severely edited version of the film received an R rating in the South and was distributed in March 1981 in several other states such as California. Yeah. God, man, I I, I just, I wish I could have been there for that scene. Like the the gorilla shot scenes, especially that one. Somewhere in New York City, Tom Savini was holding a double barrel shotgun, shooting a prop, and then running away before the police could get there. Yeah, um, I go in a lot more detail on the story of this uh, at the end of this episode. There's uh, some more cool stuff about that. Yeah, that that's awesome. Of course, the South had to be like edit it. You know, I I thank God that this. This skipped the MPAA ratings, or the, I don't think this movie would be talked about today. I don't think it would have stuck. I don't think it would be a cult talked about classic movie if we would have just got the edited version. Because I'm sure the the rated version that came out in the South is probably nowhere near the same movie. Well, I can't remember exactly how, but they had found out that the MPAA was essentially going to give it the uh, dreaded X rating, which um, I didn't, you know, I, I always figured, why do movies like this care about that? Figured theaters and, won't carry them and advertisements. And well, there's a lot of theaters that didn't play this movie anyway, but uh, the reason why is because back then pretty much any film that had an X rating was a pornographic film. And they didn't want people to think that it was a, a porno, especially considering the guy who made it made pornos. So they just decided to, you know, avoid the MPAA altogether. 
Yeah, if this was a porno, that would have been a really interesting porno. Uh, the film was refused a classification by the British Board of Film Classification upon its original cinema release and was additionally banned for video in 1998. That's a long time later. But was later passed at an 18 certificate in 2002 with 58 seconds of cuts. They were still cutting this movie in 2002. The uncut version was passed by the BBFC for the 2022 release from 88 films. The UK didn't get this version of this movie until 2022. And that is the very reason we went to war with them (laughs) and became our own country. We wanted the independence to have our own slasher, unrated slasher. Just too too much uh, regulation. I thought you were going to say T. Regulation without representation. Uh, In Australia, the film's promotional campaign featured a censored version of the theatrical poster image with which blacked out the scalp held in the killer's hand. Maniac received numerous unfavorable reviews with many critics lambasking, lambasking the film for its depiction of violence. Gene Siskel did a TV piece for CBS where he strongly criticized the use of TVs that showed graphically violent and gory scenes from the film outside of a theater in Times Square. He later picked the movie as one of his Dogs of the Week on his show with Roger Ebert, stating that he walked out of this movie after 20 minutes because he felt it could not redeem itself at that point. Um, I did see a little bit of the interview with him and it was the, the head explosion scene. And this was like one of three movies through his whole entire, like 40 year career. He ever actually walked out of the theater on. I would like to see the other two. Cause I bet you they were good. Uh, black sheep was one with a com the comedy from the Farley guy. And the other one I didn't Chris I never Farley? Yeah. The Farley guy. <laughs> I couldn't think of his first name. Um and the other one was a movie I don't think I'd heard of or something. Mm. It was a real low budget movie or something. You made you know you made a good gory movie he, when somebody gets up, especially some like super some some guy whose job is to be super snobby and rate movies and you caused him to get out and leave. He quit. Uh, he technically quit his job. <laughs> he did. If if you rate movies and you walk out on a movie that you're supposed to be rating, that movie was so good or bad in his opinion that it made him quit his job. In the army, we would say he refused to train. He did. He went AWOL. Despite the negativity from critics, Maniac has been cited by some media outlets as one of the greatest slasher horror films ever made. Esquire placed it as number 18 in their list of the top 55 scariest movies of all time. It was ranked number 44 in Pace Magazine's 50 Best Slasher Movies of All Time. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't let them reviews hold it down. Good for for it. Uh, So, ratings, Rotten Tomatoes gave this thing a 40%. IMDb gave it a 6.4 out of 10. Letterboxd a 3.4 out of 5. And I could not find an average audience rating for the movie, but Google did give it a 80%. So 80% of uh, people on Google that's seen this movie liked it. If you would like to watch this movie, you can find it streaming on Vudu, Pluto, Shutter. Pluto? 
Pluto, Pluto, <laughs> Voodoo, <laughs> Pluto, <laughs> Shutter slash AMC and motherfucking Tubi. Of course, yeah. This that, is actually this is this, we've had a we've had a dry run on Tubi movies. Well, it's over now. It's back. Did they call? Are they giving us our our advertisement? The, the, they money said back? the check is in the mail. Good deal. Yeah. They must have. They must have. Uh, Come to their her, senses. Her TikTok dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I want a shot of the scalping scene on a shirt that says, uh, regulation without representation. Fuck you, TikTok. Yeah. I'll have to get the show's lawyers on, on, uh, on the case. All right, so time for plot. Plot. Oh. Hop right into mm, yeah. 1980, dirty ass New York garbage. Seven foot rats running around with somebody's chihuahua in its mouth. So we start out with some creepy, heavy breathing from a man who is putting change in one of those. I don't know what this thing is called. I just put sightseeing thing. <laughs> did did that breathing give you PTSD from editing? Uh, did you not feel like you needed to edit the entire time <laughs> that this movie was playing? Yeah, that that creeped me out. Like every time that movie starts, like I feel like I have to warm up to the breathing because it's I forget that it's in there until this very first scene, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. There's a lot of creepy breathing in this movie. Yeah, it is. It's a gross lot. sounding and it is it is creepy, but it's very unnerving and I think it adds uh I think it adds to the movie in a positive way. Well that's the charm of this movie is it is it's really dark. It's not a fun slasher. It's it's a very dark slasher. Yeah, we'll get into it more. He's putting change in one of those um I don't know what the fuck they're called. The little thing you put change in is like a binocular, but it's like stationary. And uh, he's using this thing to spy on a couple who are having a nice day at the beach. And we next see that uh, the creepy guy has relocated to the bush close to where the couple is laying on the sand. The boyfriend decides to get up and walk off in search of some firewood. I feel like firewood on the beach is pretty limited. Yeah, that was uh, odd. That was a, a really lazy writing thing, I feel like. Like, he she could have came up with something better than, I gotta go get some firewood on a beach. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go get you some shells to take home or something. I don't know. Uh, so the girlfriend lays back down and shuts her eyes. And then we see uh, the creepy man walk up to her with gloves on and begin to caress her back and head. She thinks that this is her boyfriend and isn't really alarmed. When suddenly this guy grabs her hair and pulls her head back and slashes her throat. We hear her let out a blood curdling scream and get a shot of blood on her hand. And we got the first kill of the movie, probably within what, the first three three minutes maybe, if that. Yeah, this one jumps straight in. Yes. And it's uh everything before this point is just building suspense, which this movie is fantastic at doing. Uh, we then jump on over to the boyfriend who has gathered some wood somehow and is returning to the camp when suddenly a tall burly man in a ski mask comes up behind him and places a piano wire around his neck and lifts him off the ground. We see the boyfriend struggle as he is strangled and the wire cuts the front of his neck open, which was awesome. Yeah, this guy would have to be really fucking strong. You talking about Frank? 
Yeah. Yeah. To pick somebody up. Oh, yeah. That that guy wasn't a small guy either. No. No, he wasn't. Frank, Frank's a good bit bigger than him, though, but still, to hold somebody off the ground for that long with a piece of piano wire. Did, did, did you read that it was piano wire? Because I, no. I couldn't figure out what it was. No, I just, because it, cause it, it was strong enough to hold him, but it was, you know, it was cutting into his neck. So I, you know, so the only it, thing I could think of was piano wire. Could have been like a. I'm going to. I'll go ahead and I was going to save this for the end, but I'll throw this out here. So every single kill count that I looked up did not, it like completely forgot about these two. I almost thought I was crazy. I wonder if like one of the versions of the movie cut their kills out completely or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it, none of them included it. And I was like, no, man, I, I, I literally, because, you know, I sit and I write the movie while I'm watching a movie on my second watch. And, um, you know, I went back and checked and I'm like, no, man, I, I completely wrote this whole thing out. I know it happened. And then I remember that, you know, here we'll see in a minute where, you know, maybe it was a dream because it does show Frank wake up and maybe they just didn't count it because of that. But then that's not the case either, because after he, you know, kills the people at the bridge, the police literally say that they're on the hunt for the bad man who killed five different people, which two at the beach, the prostitute at the hotel, and then the two at the bridge, five people. So, yeah, I don't know, man, it had to be edits. But they're, yeah, they're, they're not on any kill counts, but they're, I got, I got them on this one. Even if it was a dream, it would still be like so a still kill count. in the movie. Yeah, and another weird thing that Kill Counts did was they counted the mother who died in a car accident before the movie started. She did not die in a car accident. What? No. I just completely missed that? Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, that's a big that's a big part of the movie. Uh, we'll get into that. Okay, yeah, I can I totally totally have missed that every time I've seen this. The that's the beautiful thing about uh analyzing films very yeah. closely. Oh, just as he dies, we see a man awake from a nightmare in his grimy New York apartment. This apartment is a nightmare in itself. He has creepy as fuck looking female mannequin in his bed, like laying next to him. We see that he has all these candles lit with like women's mannequin hands and stuff just set up in different places. And there's also, like, old, dirty baby dolls everywhere. Like, this place is creepy. It is definitely a... Like, they even got him cutting out magazines and cutting the eyes out and shit. Yeah, this, it, this is this very is nightmare detailed. fuel. Yeah, this is very, very detailed on what a fucking psychopath room might look like. Yeah, I have a theory... Um, because in his apartment, you see that big board of keys. And I think he's like the super of the apartment building. It never really says what he does for a job or how he has money because you never see him go to work. I think, and then, you know, there's that scene where the lady passes him and she knows his name. So I think that he's probably works like he fixes stuff for that apartment building because he's got that big rack of all the different keys for the apartment complex. That's just my theory. That's, a, oh, that's probably a pretty good theory. I didn't notice the keys. Yeah, it's in a bunch of scenes. It's right by the front door. Uh, so this guy's name is Frank Zito, and he is going to be our main character of this story. And as you probably guessed it, he is most definitely the maniac the title refers to. 
Frank is looking in the mirror. He is focused on a bunch of scars on his chest. We then get a close-up shot of the mannequin in the bed, and it appears to have a human woman's bloody scalp sitting on it. We also see that there is a black and white photo of a young woman surrounded by candles next to Frank's bed. Frank gets up, we see him get dressed, put on his jacket and his black gloves before grabbing a small bag and heading out the door. We then get some outside shots of old, gritty, dirty New York City. Uh, New York in the 70s and 80s was a much different place than it is now. It's kind of one thing I like about these old movies is it is New York is so I don't know. I, I want to say it's more dangerous and it's it's just more dirty and fucked up back then. It's a lot of crack and mobsters back yeah. then to be worried about and rats. I mean it reminds me of like rats. it reminds me of like New York and like uh, Jason takes Manhattan. It's like that old it's gritty a- I mean, even like the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, like yeah. It's got yeah. that dark, gritty New York feel. Taxis everywhere and shit. Makes you and think of like CBGBs. Yeah. Like a punk rock show mm-hmm. going on CBGBs. Just sewer creatures popping <laughs> out. Uh, we see two sex workers talking on the sidewalk, and one of them says she needs one more trick to make her rent. I feel that. And then, what do you know, Frank comes walking down the street. He asks how much, she lifts lists off her prices, and for a hundred bucks, she will take you around the world. Whatever that means. No, I don't no, know he, what that means. He gets the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, but I'm she like, says, uh, for a hundred bucks, I'll take you around the world. Like, what? What, what do you mean? What, I think she that? says 70 bucks, and then the, the old the other one's like, steps what about? in and says, oh, you'll give him the ultimate. And yeah. she's like, a hundred bucks, I'll give you the ultimate. Bro, that is a hooker sales tactic. Yeah, because like, I feel is like compo- it's all the same. That is, comp- yeah, she almost kind of even, like the old lady stepping in, I, I forgot the what they lady. were talking about. <laughs> she, she wasn't old, but she was much old. She was the... Uh, Older. She's the hooker that's been around the block. Like yeah. She has her sales tactic. She's it's like, like the manager. It's like the like young... Uh, car salesman that's been doing it for like two years and then like the 20 year veteran steps in and he's got some like sales tactics like you tell him you'll give him the ultimate they don't even even know what it means they'll come and they'll think that's what it was so he says let's go i'm down uh i assume at this point this is not going to end well at first i thought that um you you remember like when he's when he's going into the like old shitty motel or whatever, and he has like a patch on his jacket. And originally, I thought that patch was a twenty fifth infantry division patch. Uh, so I looked it up because we get a close up view when he goes in the motel to rent the room, and I actually looked it up, and it is a first airborne special forces patch. Huh. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think that adds a little more backstory for. How Frank is so good at killing people. <laughs> Not the old the old tropic lightning. Yeah, it wasn't uh, that. Wasn't no. The, no, it wasn't the angry vagina. And the uh, angry vagina. Uh, so next we see Frank and the sex worker get a hotel room and go upstairs. Hold, he, hold on. Fr- Frank gets the hotel room. What, what hooker makes you buy your own hotel room? 
So you don't even have a, a hotel locked down? No. That's Frank, not included in the ultimate. Frank pays $35 for this shitty-ass hotel. He pays for cable TV and, or color TV. Uh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> he, he pays a hundred. He paid $135 to fuck this prostitute in 1980. Yeah. You know how much money that would be today? Yeah, probably like $300 and something, dollars, $500 or something. Yeah, that's like high dollar. High dollar. That's like right under escort. That you, It's like the ones you order offline. This is... Now, uh, not from experience, but anybody who's ever walked through Hawaii and seen on like around Waikiki Beach the high dollar prostitutes that are trying to trying to take everybody back up to their high dollar hotel rooms, it's like two hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they go upstairs, and uh, he asks her to model uh, for him a bit, and sh- then she begins to undress. But then he tells her to leave her clothes on. And this should have been a big flag for her. Like, she he paid for the ultimate and the room, and he doesn't even want to see you naked. Something bad's about to happen to you. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty big red flag, but she's probably just like, thank God, I'm going to get to do something else other than get <laughs> fucked for my rent. Uh, he gets on top of her to start making out. I don't know how he's not squishing her to death, because he is a lot bigger than her. Her vagina can take it. She's a pro. <laughs> uh, she, uh, but yeah, they're like kissing and stroking each other when suddenly Frank sits up and yells, "You bitch!" and begins to strangle her. <laughs> Bro, like that's how all he, sexual encounters begin. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the girl. He he's like model for me, like the girls in the magazine. What fucking magazine is this guy reading? Like these, this was it's on telling. This was total like eighties workout video stretches, <laughs> like the moves that she's making. It's a hundred percent. Like if you buy an eighties workout video, I guarantee three out of the four moves that she did here is in that workout video. It's like back when they had all the spandex and the big socks. Yep, spandex and big the the onesies. Uh, the the onesies she totally had a eighties onesie. I hope on. those don't come back. No, that's that's pretty rough. So we, he we want to see more, not less. So he is sweating profusely and he looks deranged. She is begging for him to stop, and for a brief moment, we see a different woman's face in place of the sex worker. She slowly stops kicking her legs and eventually dies. Frank then comes to and realizes what he has done. He then runs to the bathroom sink and begins to vomit. Who do you think that woman he seen in her place was? His mother. His mother. Yeah. Whom he murdered. Oh, yeah. I totally <laughs> just didn't put that together. Yeah, yeah I thought I I'd get so. throw, throw you a bone there. <laughs> well, I mean, he says that she died in a car accident when he was a, like, young, like when he was a kid. Like, did he murder her when he was a kid? No, I just think that... That's just a backstory he came up with. I don't know. Who's going to question you on that? So he is crying and whimpering, saying, Mommy, I didn't want to do it. He then pulls out a small uh, box-cutting knife and cuts her scalp off. And I must say, that shit looked pretty real. Yeah, this is uh, this is fucking awesome. This is my favorite part up until... Up until the rest of the movie, <laughs> this looked really good. This was one of like, the man. I like that part with the with the wire cuts that neck. I was really into that. But then this happened, and then after this, then this other thing happened. Yeah, 
Yeah, this is one of the better scalping scenes that you'll see in the history of scalping scenes. You don't get a lot of them, but this one's really good. And one thing about this kill, for one, like the strangulation was longer than almost any movie that you see, and that's way more realistic. Like, yeah, you, you start apparently sweating. it takes some time to strangle somebody to, to death. They don't just die. Like most movies, it's, you know, 10 seconds of choking and they're dead. Like this is, they do such a good job throughout this movie of building up and and dragging out the kills. Another thing they do is they take away all the sound. There's no background score. It's just the noises of Frank and whoever he's killing at the time. And it it's so unnerving and it makes it so much more realistic. I I just, that's that's one thing I noted from here and then to the rest of the movie I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah, with uh with this kill in particular, you can actually see Tom Savini talk about how he did it. And one really cool thing about uh about this movie is Tom Savini the, the effects budget was extremely low to almost non-existent. And the only reason that he agreed to do this movie was so he could go and like live in New York for two months. He said that was really it. And because uh, he had turned, he was turning down so many movies because he, you know, he had done Friday the 13th, Dawn of the Dead. And, uh, but he just wanted to go hang out in New York. And he said that essentially because they didn't really have an effects budget, almost everything you see in the movie was stuff he just had that he brought like his own personal stuff, including um, he talks about basically like they have the blade with the, with the tube for the blood. And that's how they did the cutting the forehead. And then he said, you know, they, they cut that scene and shot to like went to Frank's face and then they go back. And what he did was basically just like what they call soap her hair down, like slick her hair back. And then they put that fake, um, that fake scalp, over top of her hair and that, he said that's really how they did it like he's like all of it's like super easy and uh it just you know just looked real good well yeah well the way they shot it it did look really good like i said it's one of the better scalpings that you'll see uh next we see frank returning home carrying something very large in a black plastic bag once inside he starts talking to himself saying i told you not to go out every time you go out this happens and this has got to stop. He opens the black bag to reveal a new mannequin. He starts to get clothes out of the bag that he wants to put on it, and he then pulls out a clear plastic bag with a bloody scalp in it. Then, using a hammer and nail, he nails the scalp to the head of the mannequin, and the whole time he is doing this, he is talking to himself, and at first, it's not like real clear what he's talking about, but then it becomes obvious that this is like the voice of his mother. Uh, we then see him break down a shotgun and place it in place it and the bullets into what looks like a violin case. He gets in his car and he drives to a disco in another part of the city. While parked in his car, he watches a couple leave the club by getting in their vehicle and driving away. Frank decides to then follow them. On their way back home, the boyfriend, who, by the way, is played by the legendary Tom Savini, decides to pull over and park the car for some frisky business. The man and the woman get into the back seat, and we see Frank quietly exit his vehicle. 
The woman then spots Frank watching them and wants to get the fuck out of there. That I don't blame her. That that would be really fucking creepy because Frank's like right up at the window. Tom Savini's he's ready to go. Yeah, he don't care. Yeah, he's like let him watch. He's like, there's nobody out there. How many times have we seen that in horror movies? Yep, there's no one there. I'm I'm already I'm already hundred percent. I'm full of blood. Let's go. I don't care. Let them watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they get back into the front seat and go to start the car to leave. And upon turning on the headlights, the couple sees Frank standing in front of them and are frozen in fear. Frank then runs and jumps on the hood and points the shotgun at the man's head, firing through the windshield and causing the man's head to explode all over the inside of the car. And it's fucking epic. Bro, they did this so good. That I'm, I'm glad that they did it in slow motion. At first, you know, I, I was like, oh no, they're gonna, why are they going in slow motion? This is done, I mean, there's even like chunks of his skull that you can see in the explosion of blood and like brains. And then the aftermath, this is, this is really fucked up, but you remember Rotten.com? <laughs> you remember that terrible <laughs> yeah. website? Yeah. That we used to go to, every, like every teenager yeah, kid went every to. Every millennial knows that um, website. So, they, I, re, I specifically remember one of the ones that stuck out to me was a taxi driver, probably in New York, that got shot in the head with a double, double barrel shotgun. And the result was very similar to the aftermath. They did that shit so realistic. Huge, yeah, huge props to them for that. Yeah, this looks great. Uh, so they they do a camera angle from, like the aftermath is like from the back seat, and you can see like the head just flopped over the like front the seat that you know he was sitting in, and you can like piece you can kind of almost look and like piece together like the scalp and a little bit of the forehead. Like it, it's very creepy looking. Very well done. It looks legitimate yeah imagine like you take all the bones and brains out of a head and then half of the head away from it and that's whatever like flopping bit of skin is left that's pretty much the aftermath and it's uh it's really creepy yeah this is one of the most famous head this is probably you know right below uh the one from scanners if you watch you know those like top 10 top 20 shows or whatever they do on like or top 100 on like shutter and stuff this typically gets gets brought up pretty often Uh, Uh, where, where i was at this point the movie started my first thought was wow, this needs to be remastered because this looks <laughs> fucking absolutely awful. And then we get the kills in the beginning, and I'm like, oh, well, those were done pretty decent for 1980 kills. The, them, the, the, they didn't look bad. And then we got the hooker kill, and that kind of reeled me in a little bit with the suspense and the way they did this the scene. you know. But I wasn't completely sold yet. This scene right here, I was, I was locked in after this. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was some fucking good shit. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Can't even speak it so good. Uh, the woman who is now covered in blood tries to hide in the backseat of the car. Frank walks over and looks at her before calmly pointing the shotgun at her. She screams in fear as Frank pauses for a moment before pulling the trigger, killing her. 
Unfortunately, we don't get to see her head splatter. I don't think he shoots her in the head. I thought about this. So he he likes to take the scalps and nail them on mannequins. So oh, yeah, pretty sure point. he did a body shot on her. So back at Frank's apartment, we see him watching the local news where they are talking about his recent murders. After three other murders and the young couple was found shot to death under the bridge, the police have put together a task force to search for the killer. Frank begins to talk to his uh, mother's picture about how he can't seem to stop killing. He then lifts the covers to reveal the mannequin with the blood on it and uh, one of its hands has like a handcuff attached to it. As Frank turns his light off to go to bed, we see him attach the other cuff to his wrist. So he has handcuffed himself to a bloody mannequin. Yeah, it's very clear at this point that this guy has some severe separation issues. He kind of looks like he's humping it. Did you notice that? Like as he's going well, he, to bed with the with the mannequin, he's like doing this kind of humping motion. Yeah, he does that a couple times yeah, yeah. in this movie. He kind of does it on the before he strangles the hooker to death. And then and he does it a couple other times. But um I I wasn't sure at this point if it was something sexual until we get the mother reveal later on. But yeah, very weird. So the next day, we see a little girl accidentally ride her bike into Frank. And of course, he's really creepy about it. And then we zoom way in to see a woman in a field taking pictures of this. This was a weird zoom in. This was like the furthest zoom in ever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a little boy. Was it? <laughs> oh, no, I'm no. about 90% sure it was two boys on a swing. And then he rode off. Not sure why. He's like, watch it, little girl. Oh. But I'm pretty sure that was a little bad. I didn't even pay attention. Uh, she pretty much just walking around, taking random uh, random pictures of stuff and like random pictures of people. And Frank begins to follow her. He finds her bag sitting by a tree and does the old pretend to tie my shoe trick to bend down and read her information tag, which has her name and address. That, yeah, the old, let me tie my shoe. We then get a scene that is way too long of Frank breathing heavily while looking at some mannequins. Um, they they could have cut this. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was necessarily uh, long. That it's, was it's just, stupid long. It just long. makes you feel so creepy. Like, that's that's one thing this movie does a really good job of is the, the unnerving creepiness and the movie is about a guy who is like obsessed with his mom or has severe separation issues about his mom and he's a fucking maniac killer. I, I don't know. We haven't we all gotten off looking at mannequins in the in the window? I mean come on, yeah, don't I mean judge. they got they're they're very shapely. I mean I I've be honest, I might get a pair of handcuffs now uh, to go with my mannequin. So, I, you know, when I seen that, I was thinking, you know, the mannequin's arm is out. And so if he handcuffs his arm, like he's going to have to sleep with like his arm out, like the mannequin. Like how, uh, how, how do you go to sleep like that? I would imagine he adjusted the mannequin's arm. I feel like eventually he just took the mannequin's arm off the body. Probably gave, <laughs> probably gave himself a handy. 
He just took the mannequin hand off and gave himself a good handy. So next up, we're old, old fashioned. We are introduced to a nurse uh, who's standing outside of a hospital after her shift. She is looking at a newspaper with the recent murders on the front page. We then see Frank emerge from the shadows. She begins to walk home when she notices Frank start to follow her. She makes her way into the subway station, but doesn't make it in time to catch the train. She then runs off in fear into an empty, unused area. Uh, why the hell didn't she just stay where she was? Like, the train left, but there was like six or seven people just standing there on the platform. And she just runs off. That's strange. I didn't see anybody. Oh, yeah. So on the I... other side of the platform, there's literally like six or seven people just standing there. Because I made a note, like, are New York City subways ever this dead? I mean, it's still really, even with six or seven people, like, I'm not sure if New York City subways ever get that dead, where there's literally, like, six people. But if they do, I guess if they do, I don't know what I have to say to that. But I, I did not catch those six people. Yeah, she didn't catch it. She should have stayed, she should have stayed there. Well, you know what she shouldn't have done? Ran into a fucking dead-end bathroom. She attempts to hide in an old station bathroom where Frank tracks her down, but then she falls for the old, I'm just gonna give up and walk away trick. The old, all right, I'm a leaving. Must be gone. pretty accurate. Must, must have left. Yeah, I was thinking if I was in this situation, it may have been a couple hours before I came out <laughs> That's that That's what I was thinking. I was like, man, I wouldn't have fell for that shit. I'd have waited him out like hours. No, I would have waited until the subway was so packed in the morning that I could hear the people uh, or people started coming in. I don't know. It is at this moment, well, I'll say right after this. No, this moment. By this moment, I've been convinced that Frank has COPD or lung cancer. <laughs> This guy has the loudest breathing <laughs> known to man. Um, like, if anybody uh, has an oxygen tank, Frank needs it. Get to New York City immediately. Uh, she sighs and even laughs in relief, which is the last thing you want to do. Uh, she leans down to the sink to get some water, and when she lifts her head back up, Frank is standing behind her holding a bayonet. He wraps his arm around her neck and stabs the long blade into her back, killing her. Bro, this is like a sword. It's like a mini sword. Yeah, it's a fucking bayonet. Like it's a long bayonet. It's I a feel special like that forces thing was bayonet. Like a fucking foot and a half long. Yeah, I actually too. You know, mostly because of the styles and stuff. I don't. I I rarely see like an old movie where like an actress from the seventies. And I'm like, mm, man, she's attractive. But I thought the nurse was pretty good looking. I thought that that photographer chick was oh, really good. Oh, she looking. was smoking hot. Like, for because it's weird because she, you know, doesn't have that like big poofy hairstyle thing they had going on back she then. She was ahead of the time. She was. Uh, we then jump on over to Frank's apartment where we see he has a mannequin dressed in the nurse's blood-stained uniform and is attaching her bloody scalp to the plastic head. Next, we see Frank is ringing the doorbell of the woman that was taking photographs at the park. Like a dumbass, she lets him in. He is dressed up in a suit, has his hair nicely combed, and a pair of glasses on. And he looks like Ron Jeremy. 
He looks just fucking like Ron Jeremy here. Yeah, I guess Ron Jeremy in the 80s. Yeah. Definitely not Ron Jeremy when he got older. God, Ron Jeremy aged like a fucking banana. <laughs> that dude looked so fucking bad before he died. Banana. He died, right? And... Pretty sure he died. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he died. But yeah, that guy's aged like a banana. In a pajama. In, in the... No, that was good. <laughs> like it, like a, just a regular banana, maybe in like not in a pajama, South Carolina, like summer heat, sitting on your patio. But yeah, I don't know if you noticed when he goes in and she lets him in, he introduces himself and she said, "Yeah, I actually just recognized you from the pictures that I'm doing from the park." And I'm like, I took in the park." That's weird because he looks completely different. yeah how are you not extremely alarmed by that like you were taking random pictures in the park in new york city and then a guy shows up to your house to ask you about some photography and it just happens to be the guy that you took a picture of in the park yeah you wouldn't be like hmm maybe this guy followed me yeah that it's weird that's why i said you know she let him in like a dumbass because yeah, I'd be like, I would have barely opened the door and be like, yeah, what do you want? Um, bye. So I had a theory. I had a theory at this point, which ended ended up being wrong. But I will let you know the theory, because I thought it was a pretty good one until, until the mom reveal. So as we went on, I had a theory that the park shot and then her were flashbacks to before the rest of the movie. And that she... Ended up being the first one he killed. And that's who he was seeing flashbacks of. Oh, that's interesting. And because he's so, like, different. And he's so, like, well-spoken and wearing a suit. Like, he looks completely different. And my theory was that they had jumped back in time and were showing her. And he was going to, like, fall in love with her and end up killing her. And that's who he was talking to the entire movie was her. Yeah, that would have been actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was it, it wasn't that um wasn't that detailed of a story. It, it though. wasn't. <laughs> I was I was I was thinking way too deep. <laughs> uh, but he is talking to her about uh, art and asking why she only shoots female models. Uh, he believes that you can preserve someone forever with a picture, but she disagrees, and he ends up asking her out on a date, and she agrees. What the fuck? is that about <laughs> yeah we, she makes to... bad decisions so on the date we learn that the photographer's name is anna and frank tells her he was close with his mother they used to live in queens but she died in a car accident when he was younger Anna tells him that she has a model coming over tonight to finish up some work so she won't be able to stay out late they make plans to meet again tomorrow but frank worries that she may cancel The next day, we see that Anna has three models over doing a photo shoot when Frank shows up. Anna tells him that he can stay as long as he likes, and he ends up stealing one of the girl's necklaces. Later on in the evening, the same model is seen returning home when Frank rings her doorbell. She opens the door, and Frank shows her the necklace and claims that she left it at Anna's studio. She is thankful, and this immediately disarms her of any suspicion. While speaking with her, 
he uses a sleight of hand trick to push her lock to the unlock position. He says goodnight and she closes the door and heads to the bathtub. And I don't know if you noticed, but her bathtub has a lot of grime in it. It's kind of, it was kind of, it was actually, (laughs) actually really clean for New York City in the 80s. I guess. Yeah. This was like the second cleanest bathroom in the city. For as nice as that apartment was, I wasn't expecting the bathtub to be that grimy, but probably a bunch of soap scum from the massive amount of bubbles that she pours in her bath. Like it turns the whole fucking bathtub blue. You know, I wasn't super into her either because she had gigantic poofy hair. But man, when like she gets out of the bathtub and it's all like wet, she was she was actually really cute. Uh, I was not a fan of her her breasts. Just, <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. that killed it for me. Uh, that's the first thing I noticed. They if they pick her to do, I think I think this was the only naked shot in the movie, and uh, I feel like they could have did better. But you know what? It was better than the fake boobs that were going around at this time. This is true. I will I will take that. The Kermit the Frog uh, boobs. 10 out of 10 times, yes. God, the 80s fake boobs were so bad. <laughs> like every time, we we were watching a, a show called uh, The Playboy Murders. I guess there's been a lot of girls murdered that's been associated with Playboy. Didn't know that. All It's not like all one conspiracy like it's all separate stories like their husband killed them or a crazy fan killed them it's probably a true crime podcast about it but good god hugh hefner must have been so into the fucking fake boobs yeah i could i could see that i mean every one of them that's been killed at least has had ginormously fake titties (laughs) so she gets out of the tub and as she is walking through the hallway Frank pops out of a closet and grabs her, tackling her to the ground. This was a this was a good this was a good suspense scene. They built that up because I thought he was gonna get her in the bath. Then I thought he was gonna get her when she went to her bedroom. Then I thought he was gonna get her in the kitchen. And I was like, Good God, where is he hiding? <laughs> they did that with the subway kill too, and I actually made a note on this kill. Very suspenseful build up. But then they finally get to, he finally goes after her, and then he tackles her, and the scene goes black. Bro, I thought that was the kill. I was yeah, like, her head you got hits the be- ground, and she gets knocked out, and I'm like, what, what I- did you run out of stuff, Tom Savini? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> that was my very thought. Like, they must have used up all the money on the fucking, <laughs> because the bayonet stab wasn't very good either, and... I was like, they must have used up all their money blowing his head up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's how do you make like a five minute of suspense building and then you get uh just she hits her head on the ground and she's dead? Bro, I was so disappointed. I was typing about how fucking disappointed I was, and then the scene finally came up of her not dead. <laughs> Next we see that Frank has the girl tied up and gagged in her bed. And he rants about some crazy Frank shit. And basically, he is saying uh, in a crazy way that he thinks that this girl is his mother in a disguise. And that she is purposely trying to look different so he won't recognize her. But he is telling her that he knows who she really is. And now they can be together again forever. And I was thinking, like, 
how fucking scary would this be? Like this guy who you just seen a complete different version of has now broken to your house and now you're tied up. But the worst part is the shit he's saying is fucking like, you think I'm your mother in a disguise? Yeah, I thought the actress actually did a really good job playing just absolutely stunned. Like, what do you even say in that? Like, how terrifying would that be? But you can't even, like, try to talk the person down. No, you you know. Because you know they're fucking, they're just completely out of their fucking mind. Yeah, it's like, what do you, you know, what do you say? Like, how do you, do you just play along and just to try to get out of it? Or do you, you know, what what do you do? You don't really have a lot of good options. It's, it's just a really scary, fucked up situation. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. This is like, this is like Otis level creepy. Like yeah. when Otis is going on his rant and those fucking cheerleaders are tied up, this has got to be, I think this is worse. Yeah, so he climbs on top of her and he pulls out a knife asking her why uh, she was with so many men just because they gave her money when he was the one that loved her. This is where I figured out, this is where I figured out the mom part. He pushes the blade right into her chest as she jumps in pain. He then hugs her, saying mommy, as she slowly dies. Minutes later, he pulls out the box cutter and begins to remove her scalp. Was I wait to the party on this? Because literally as I'm typing, I said this guy clearly has separation issues. I wonder if this has something to do with his mom. Did he kill her? Uh, was that her we see in the beginning when he was killing the hooker? And then as I'm finishing typing that, he's like leaning forward start, and he starts saying mommy, which obviously that's like the big reveal of who he's talking to the whole movie. Uh, do you remember the first time you seen this? Did, did, did you pick up on the mom thing sooner? Because this is where like my theory of it being the uh, photographer that he's talking to the whole time. Like, I thought he was completely normal and fell in love and had to kill her for some reason. Um, this, I, is, this is where my theory went down the fucking drain. I don't, I don't exactly remember the first time I had seen it and what I, like, what I had thought about it. I do remember I did not pick up for the, the longest time that, you know, his mom, his mom, like, like, like in the beginning when he's looking at those scars, like that's supposed to signal that his like uh, his mom abused him. I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick up on the picture. You know, that's why he has the picture with the candles. Um, yeah, it, none of that stuff was super clear to me. I didn't really get the full idea of what was going on here until the end. Uh, everything fell together after this moment. Like when they do the reveal and he starts saying mommy, because then... Then at that point, it's obvious that he's talking to like his mom this whole time or talking to himself in some scenes about his mom. And then uh, it makes the scars make sense because he he's talking to that doll and he burns it with the cigarette, talking as if he's his mom. Then it's very clear that his mom was very abusive. I wonder if it's like age 12 that he decided he was going to kill his mom. That's why he tells people that his I don't mom even, died at twelve. I don't even know. Like it's 
for sure that he killed his mom because you know I read a lot of things where they said the mom died in a car at car accident. I think that that's you know I don't know if it's no. open or or what, but that, yeah, there's there's that's his mom. He's choking in the beginning because they actually in that shrine they show a good shot of it at one point. Yeah, but that does the girl like he's literally having flashbacks of him strangling his mom to death. But that doesn't mean that like it's a memory. It's just a maybe that's what he wanted to do to her. You know, that's not there's it's not saying for sure. I think he probably did, but. You know, I didn't come across anything, even when reading like the plot summary about the movie where he where he killed his mom. Well, I think that he one of those girls, one of those mannequins was his mom's head. I think one of the mannequins, one of the girls that comes alive at the end, is his mom's scalp. Uh, yeah, maybe I. I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't think it's have that, that idea in my head. So there's like it. a main mannequin that they show over and over again, and they actually do a really close up on it right after this scene where we're at, where he starts saying "mommy, mommy." They shoot back to the him in his room, and they show this same mannequin. It's the main one that they show uh, throughout most of it. It's the one that he keeps in his bed that he'll put up in that special spot when he kills another girl and puts her in the bed. But he always brings the same mannequin back. I'm pretty sure that they meant for that to be the mom. That's the mom's mannequin. Oh no, I have to look into it. It's, it's interesting. I didn't. I didn't catch that. I just went right over my head. Well, uh, uh, so once again, we see a bloody mannequin lying in Frank's bed, and his bed must smell disgusting from all the decaying blood that soaks into his pillows and mattress. As Frank is sitting in his apartment. He says, when mommy tells you to hide in the closet, you have to do what mommy tells you. He then puts a cigarette out on a mannequin's chest. Frank begins to whimper, put on a child's hat, and play with toys. And I don't even have like a joke to insert here. Like this scene is just dark. It is. It's you, just a you dark hear scene. It and it sounds funny, but it is very dark. Yeah, it's it's not even slightly funny it's just like good god like where else is this movie gonna go i will give this the the actor who played frank huge props because i feel like you have to be a really good actor to pull this off and it's and it be scary and not be like goofy yeah he he helped write this character he helped write this movie and he was very disappointed when this movie got um negative reviews because he had put a lot into this movie and they actually he pushed for a really long time to do a sequel and there is a short where he does you know there's a maniac too short and they did finally get financing and green lighting to do it and then he died right right before you know i'm surprised that it was considered that unsuccessful and that it was that hard to get a second one greenlit so hard that it never actually happened because uh, this movie made $4 million off of a $350,000 budget. Like, that's that's a success. Yeah, I think just people didn't want to touch it because of the controversy and the, it I, getting taken I, and, you know, confiscated and... and you know, people making whole entire CBS specials about it and all this shit. So I I will agree with that. I think that had to been what it was. The four uh, mil just wasn't probably wasn't worth the bad publicity. I think for them to make a movie that would have stood up to this, they would have had to have done it with their own money. 
because any major studio would not have they would have cut it up so much that it it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been good in the places that made the first one good which was the FX uh just the brutal kill yeah well you know it's got a different plot and a different character um I, i'll try to remember to get into it later but um yeah it's not it's not like a direct sequel but so the next day, Frank calls Anna and asks her to a show, which she agrees. And I say, if you want to see a show, take her to your fucking apartment, Frank. That's a show. Yeah. Uh, when she gets in the car, Anna thanks Frank for sending flowers and attending the funeral for Rita, a.k.a. the young model he just brutally fucking murdered. What that, a good guy. That's cold. What a good guy. That's she didn't cold. have many friends. And he he was there for he, he murdered was there her. for his photographer friend when and she needed him. Then he went to the fucking funeral and watched them put her in the ground. God damn, that's awful. Knowing that he had her scalp, oh that man, she didn't have a scalp. I'm sure it was a closed casket. He's like, I know why. <sighs> that's fucked up. <laughs> uh, Frank then tells her that they are going to stop by his mother's grave before dinner so he can drop off a Christmas wreath. Because, yeah, that's not weird. Like, second date, stop by my dead mom's place, I'll introduce you to. And uh, Anna's fine with it, though. Like, she's totally cool. It's not she's, weird to she's, her. She's super nice. I'm Anna. sure it had to have been weird to her. While at the gravesite, Frank begins to have a breakdown and starts crying. Anna attempts to console him when Frank tells her that Rita knew. Bro, how far away was this fucking, was he taking her to see the show? Like, they go from complete daylight to it's like dark as fuck. Like, it's at least 10, 11 o'clock at night by the time they get to this, this cemetery scene. This cemetery looks like the cemetery from Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, I, just like I feel it. like they just couldn't get away from the zombies. <laughs> uh, this shocks Anna, and when she tries to ask Frank what he means, he then attempts to strangle her. She fights him off and manages to run off into the cemetery. I don't know why, but this seems fitting to wrap this movie up in a foggy cemetery at night. Like, this is a lot of fog. Like, at one point, you can see the fog machines going off behind <laughs> the, the, the uh, tombstone. Yeah, a, this is how we try to get our yard to look on Halloween. Like this, they used a lot of fog juice. Yeah, at first I was like, man, this is you know this whole thing has been in New York City, very grimy, and now we're in a cemetery. But then I was like, you know what? This makes sense at this point with this fucking movie. Like this makes sense that we end up here. So Frank starts to chase Anna as we start to hear his signature heavy breathing. He loses sight of her and he stops to look around when suddenly Anna pops out from behind a grave with a baby shovel and slashes his arm. And why is there such a small shovel here? Like, is there somebody really digging graves with that baby shovel? That's that's what's the standard size of shovels in the 80s. That's what they dug with at the at the graveyard. It was like a handle shortage. So they had to take one handle and make it into two. But I'm, why did she not just keep beating the fuck out of him or hit him in the head? Yeah, that's, that was my next note. Like, I'm sure she heard him coming a mile away with the COPD yeah. and his lung cancer. Yeah, Frank falls down in pain while holding his bloody arm, and Anna runs off again. 
frankly, uh, <laughs> frankly, Frank quickly <laughs> just combined two words. Frankly gets up and begins to chase her. And uh, yeah, she had her chance. Like she should have fucked him up while he was down. During the chase, Frank, I almost called him frankly, Frank <laughs> falls to his knees and screams out, Mommy. He then starts to hear the voice of his mother and the voice of a child. And these voices are basically saying, Mommy has to punish you, and the kid is, like, begging her not to. And she says that Frank has been a bad boy and that she is going to lock him in the closet with R. Kelly. Pretty sure that his mom was a prostitute as well. Yeah. Um, And she locked him in the closet. Why? Why? She made that made that why paper. She, why she why she gave him the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Adult Frank is very upset by this and finds his way back to his mother's grave. He kneels down and begins to sob when suddenly his mother's rotting corpse pops up and grabs him by the neck. I didn't see this coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> uh, did did this just turn into a zombie movie? It did. It it like, did, did out of nowhere. Just, did this whole slasher just completely switch genres and turn into a fucking zombie movie? We go from slasher in New York City to cemetery in the middle of the night, fog everywhere with uh, zombies popping out of the ground. Get you a horror film that can do both. Uh, Frank fights the zombie mom off, and then we realize that it was just a hallucination. He cries some more and then leaves the cemetery, making his way back to his apartment, uh, assumingly to be in the comfort of his scalps, which I'm sure smell bad. (laughs) Yeah. My scalps. I need to be with my scalps. I thought about that the entire movie, about how bad his fucking plates would smell. Like Jeffrey Dahmer's place. Uh, yeah, I guess it. I mean, I guess it does happen in real life. If he's the maintenance guy, who's gonna fucking who's gonna get him kicked out? Speaking of real life, you know what I was thinking about was with the mannequins. Oh, is God. Jeffrey Dahmer did that weird shit with mannequins too? He did. And this movie had come out first. Like this came. Didn't Jeffrey Dahmer was in like uh was in like nineteen ninety three or something. No, Jeffrey Dahmer was put to death in 1994. Oh. His crimes went on, I think, in the seven. It spanned from the 70s to the late 70s or early 80s. I thought it was like the late 80s and early 90s. But I think he was. I think he was sentenced. Maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it was the late 80s he got caught because he was in prison for a couple of years before he was. He was not. He. Was, I could say he was put to death. He was put to death by, <laughs> put by to death another by an prisoner. Inmate. <laughs> Somebody put him to death. It's put to death with that fucking that uh, barbell. Yeah, I was just like, man, did Jeffrey Dahmer see Maniac and be like, mm, I never thought of that. I should get some mannequins. I'm sure, like, that's probably just a natural thought when you have a fucked up, like... Brain? Yeah, necrophilia <laughs> type. What's similar to a control. dead body? A plastic body. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, mannequins are so <laughs> creepy too. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. I mean, I'm not. There's, there's some now. There's some mannequins like Victoria's Secret. You're walking by and you're like, "Damn, that was specially made. <laughs> That's a specially made mannequin." I'd but fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, somebody get the drill. <laughs> I gotta put some holes in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> put a pocket pussy right up on in there. <laughs> bet you, bet you my f- flashlight would fit perfect. <laughs> uh, so Frank then sees a hot version of his mom laying in his bed, welcoming him home. He tells uh, her hot. she was yeah she was hot looking. She wasn't that zombie version. She was not. She was. She was. Uh, I think this shows that he killed her a long time ago. He tells her that she betrayed him, and he lays on the bed to cry some more. A lot of crying. He then starts to look around at all his mannequins, and he seems like he's kind of a little frightened of them. My scalps are turning against me. (laughs) The mannequins then turn into the real girls he killed and start to move toward him. They all start to grab different weapons and walk over to the bed. We then see Frank lying on the bed surrounded by the women he killed. One of the women holds the bayonet high above her head and then suddenly thrusts it forward into Frank's stomach. We then see another woman cut Frank's right arm off with a machete. He screams as he looks in that direction as he sees a decapitated body with a tan sweater soaked in blood kneeling next to him. The women then all start to grab Frank and yank and rip into his skin, one woman even ripping ripping a very large hole in his neck big enough to stick her whole ass hand into, (laughs) allowing her to help rip Frank's head off of his body. We then get a peaceful shot of New York in the morning, and we see two police officers rushing to Frank's apartment to arrest him. They draw their guns and they kick in Frank's front door, only to be confused by the sight of Frank's bloody mannequin set up in the kitchen. And uh, these cops have little baby guns. They have little tiny, tiny guns. That's what you took from all this that you just read? (laughs) Maybe the production couldn't afford regular sized guns. What the fuck happened at the end of this movie? Like, (laughs) it just, I mean, it completely, from the zombie part on... Like, they, they all turn into, like, zombies. And I'm not going to lie, it looked great. Like, when they rip him to pieces, like, when they show his head and they start, like, ripping his body apart, I thought it looked fantastic. But what the fuck? Like, would they it, hit writer's block? And they were like, ah, uh, we can't come up with anything. No, I think they're let, just showing... Let Tom Savini figured out. No, I think they're just showing that, you know... Frank's finally lost it. Like his, he, you know, he's starting to have these crazy hallucinations. How do you go from like slasher his... to zombie movie so fucking quick? With skill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty out there. I have a theory though. I think, I think uh, one of the, one of the women that he killed, he didn't just take their scalp. He took their whole head. And if you notice, one of the mannequins' whole face is wrapped up. And like black, it was like a, it was like mm-hmm. a black. So whenever he's being killed, one of the bodies that pops up is a decapitated body that comes up next to his bed. Did you notice that? Yeah, I noticed that because there's something special, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. There's a reason why that's in there. Does it pertain to him possibly beheading a woman? No. Does it disprove my it's, theory? No. It. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's an Easter egg. That's the only reason it's there. Okay. Well, I, that's it has really nothing to do with what that's Frank. That's my did. theory. I'm pretty sure he he decapitated one of these women, and that's why the the mannequin head is wrapped up. I think he fucking 
plop the goddamn head right down on that mannequin. I have a theory of how we went from slasher to zombie so seamlessly. Seamless? Yeah. I didn't think it was seamless at I did. all. I did. I thought when we his just mom grabbed right him in there in the cemetery. Matter of fact, from the moment we get into the cemetery, I'm like, okay, different movie. What happened? <laughs> we went from downtown New York yep. to middle of nowhere, fucking Night of the Living Dead, fucking cemetery with fog everywhere. And so I already had like very zombie movie vibes. And then his dead mom pops out of the ground and grabs him. Left field. Yep. And I, and I got a theory. So the guy who directed this did nothing but porno. That's that makes sense. Every porno is like the cable man's here. Sex. Like, you know, it's all these scenarios that start out this and then end up this. You know, like, oh, stepmom's here. Sex. I think he's just what really good at transitioning to completely different things. Oh, man, pornos aren't good at transitioning. They're just obvious. Apparently good enough to finance a movie. They're, they're yeah. Hot honey. Por- hot, por- hot hold honey. on now. Porno, porno does not sell for the stories. It sells for the fucking. Nobody has ever watched a porno for the story. You got to think, so Hot Honey, right, probably start out as a beekeeper. He was tended to his bees, getting honey. And then this woman showed up to buy honey and dripped a little bit of honey on her boob. And then he's like, let me get that for you. Transitioned into sex. It could, his stepmom may have been named Honey. Like, that, that could, could have, have been, been a lot of different ways. Could have been, I'm just saying, this guy can take one thing that this story is about this and trans and, and transition it into into something completely different that you didn't even see coming. And that's how we got a zombie movie at the end here. Well, you know, I, I that makes sense because it wasn't seamless for me. <laughs> it was very, uh, I felt like I turned one movie off and another one on. I loved the mannequins coming alive. I thought that was uh, fantastic. I thought it was. I thought it was cool. I mean, it like, was I, like I didn't dislike it how, at all. How are we gonna end this movie like spectacularly? Like the big finale, and it was like, well, I didn't see that coming. You know what? What makes this work? I will say it was. It was out of left field. I think more out of left field was his mom's zombie body reaching up and grabbing him, but that was a hallucination. Um, I think what made this work is the scene with the cops coming in, and you see that it was all a hallucination, yeah, and that he had actually stabbed himself mm-hmm. during this hallucination. If they would have tried to play it off like his body would have been ripped apart, then that would have been like, okay, what yeah. the fuck? This is all like... I'm glad they didn't do this that. This whole movie's meant to take place in a universe where this can actually happen and not this exact thing, but things like this this has actually happened, which is kind of the scary. What really makes this movie scary is the realism. Oh yeah. People have done this. People have snapped and this is, uh, it's really fucked up people like this out there. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I watched, you know, some interviews and stuff about this and Tom Savini actually talks about that. He's like, most of the horror films I work on are, you know, people can watch those and know that people like Jason and stuff, they they can't exist. That is not real. But then when you, you know, you see a movie like Maniac, that not only can exist, it does exist. And it, it goes on. And some of these people aren't even caught. Bro, this is like Psycho, but like a 
super brutalized version. Like he's he's way more brutal. Oh yeah. And uh the effects are just gruesome. It, it's a good movie. One thing I thought about uh so Anna her nice shovel swing. She survived. Yeah. I'm they so happy. I never really touch on that. But well, yeah, she I'm you, pretty you sure she goes and that. she goes and tells the cops. That's how the cops know to to go after him. Is obviously she was like he's the Yeah. I don't know whatever they were calling him. Yeah, but just I she survived. Didn't see that coming. I didn't think her shovel swing. You know what ended up saving her? His mom. <laughs> His hallucinations of his mom this caused him to run back to the grave. her grave. Yeah. And that's essentially what saved her because he would have kept going after her. She wouldn't have got away. But he only quits going after her when he starts hearing the voices. Although he is acting like he just got his arm blown off <laughs> after getting slashed with the shovel. But yeah, I thought that was thought that was kind of an interesting little uh little thing. His 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 mom or his hallucinations of his mom is essentially what saves her. Cause he, you look in like the subway, he's not, he's not stopping going after somebody, especially not here where she has nowhere to go. He's like the dirty Terminator, just keeps coming. The Dirtinator. <laughs> uh, we see Frank lying on the on uh, lying dead on his bed with a stomach wound from the bayonet, but no sign of a zombie mannequin attack. The cops walk over to Frank's body and look for a moment and ultimately deciding, yep, he's dead. And they just fucking leave, which is kind of weird. They don't look for clues or look around. They don't think that the apartment's weird. Um, yeah, yeah, they just leave. <laughs> Somebody call the uh, apartment manager and tell him to get in here and clean this shit up. Uh, we then slowly zoom onto Frank's body where we see his eyes suddenly open. And then we get the title card, Maniac. That's the end. That is the end. So in order to keep costs down, they hired many porn actresses to play the victims in other small female roles in the film. And I would expect nothing less. Nothing less. Nothing less. Than the best. Uh, so, so because the production didn't have permits to film a lot of the scenes in New York City, Many, including the infamous shotgun scene, had to be filmed quickly, and after the crew would get their shots, they would pack up and jump in cars before the cops arrived. The so, old gorilla, the gorilla style. Yep. Uh, this next one is, is a lot of information. It's pretty long, so here we go. The dummy used for the exploding head scene was actually a mold of Tom Savini that he had used on Dawn of the Dead. Because the effects budget was so low, Savini used whatever he already had for the movie's effects and other stuff the production had lying around. The head had a liner placed inside in order to stuff fake blood and leftover food into the head. Because they only had one shot at it, Savini himself fired the gun on the hood of the car. According to Savini himself, the recoil of the gun actually knocked him off the hood. Immediately after the shotgun blast, the crew packed up, threw the gun in the trunk, and left the area within 60 seconds before the police had a chance to arrive. Firing a gun in New York City limits was a mandatory five-year prison sentence at the time. 
The car was then placed in storage for two weeks until needed for another scene. When the car was needed again, it was unusable because the fake blood and food splatter had rotted the inside of the cab. The car, the gun, and Savini's fake head was then sunk into the Hudson River where it still remains today. Oh, God, that's awesome. (laughs) That makes me want to be a scuba diver. (laughs) Go down there. That's really cool. God, I wish I could have been there for that. Like somewhere in New York, they're dumping a fucking uh, a car into the... Could you imagine had the police showed up while they were dumping this car <laughs> and looked in the inside and seen a fucking... an exploded head and blood everywhere and then dumping a car into the river? With a real shotgun or, in the trunk. Or if the fucking... If the car gets pulled up one day and they look in there and they <clears> see this, like, clearly a shotgun shot out the window or some type of gun shot out the window and what looks like a a, a dead body in there, that's it wouldn't look like a dead body. It would, at first, you would think it was a body in well, there. Well, the body, p- pretty much from the shoulders down, is just chicken wire. Well, you wouldn't expect to find a body of a car that's been sitting in there for that long, I don't think, other than some bones. But to find a a car with a shot-out window and a shotgun in the trunk, the police would totally do a full investigation. Yeah, Tom Savini says that uh, if the cops ever pulled the car up, they would assume it was like some kind of mob-related thing. Yeah, that's what what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and another reason why the inside of the car was so bad was... The food that they were stuffing in the head was um, stuff that was there on set for the from the catering, and one of those items was shrimp. Wow, <laughs> I guess that's that does uh, that's a good stand-in for brains. Yeah, shrimp does have a very brainy texture to it. God, that thing probably stunk. <laughs> yeah, it said it was pretty bad. Yeah, I, they I, were they were supposed to film. You know the um. The scene where it's that same scene, but the blood splatters on the girl, and then she gets in the back seat, and he, you know, you know, shoots her or whatever. So they were supposed two weeks later they were going to film that scene, and once they discovered the car was unusable, they actually had to find another car with a similar interior. That so that actually was filmed completely separately in completely different car. Good God! I hope they didn't have to buy that car. They did all that to save budget money. And no, I think it ended up having to get buy a new car. No, a lot of the cars they used, like um, I think Frank's car was actually the director's car, which ended up getting damaged, and he had to get rid of it. A camera mount actually broke um, the steering wheel, steering column, and the car was no longer uh, steerable. So he. Had to How many get cars it. died in the making <laughs> of this film? Yeah, you know, if I was Tom Savini, I I probably. I won't say if I was Tom Savini. If it happened to me, I probably wouldn't go tell people that the shotgun knocked me off the hood of the car. Yeah, he said luckily somebody actually caught him before he hit the ground, but yeah, threw him back. I know it's a double barrel, but damn, Tom. He said he had never, you know, jumped up on the hood of a car and shot a gun before. (laughs) Yeah, I have not done that either. Mm. Um, But had he ever shot a gun? Yeah, and I would imagine he would have. He had to have shot a gun before to be confident. Yeah, enough he was to in the military. The shot. Um, yeah, yeah, no, but I thought he, I thought he was a cook. Well, you still have to shoot a gun in basic training. You do. 
That's true. Uh, another another thing that he was uh, what, what was it? I can't remember what I was about to say. Made me forget my other forget, thing. Forget non-combat jobs have to shoot guns too. You wouldn't think it though if you went through basic and seen some of the people who can't qualify with their guns. Oh yeah, so um, obviously the the movie didn't have like a official premiere, and so him and like the producer or something they they went to a movie theater in New York to see the movie and haven't had they never seen the finished movie yet, and they go in there and they come out and they run into um, two guys they're in suits they got like briefcases or something and they recognize Tom Savini. And they're talking to him and they're like, hey, yeah, you know, we're big fans of your work. And right up the street here, we're actually editing uh, a film of ours. Would you mind taking a look? And he said, sure. So they go down there and they go and he kind of checks out a couple minutes of what they're editing of this movie that they're making. And he's like, man, that's really cool. Uh, Keep at it. Good luck, you guys. And then he goes on his way. And then, uh, you know, I don't know how long it was later, but X amount of time later, he finds out that um, that film is Evil Dead. And one of those guys who came up was Sam Raimi. Huh. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That was interesting. I thought that you were about to tell me that there was two guys in suits <laughs> and that they were they came up to him and were like, we were, were cops investigating <laughs> the shooting that happened in New York. You uh, know, New York takes that, that gun violence very serious. Uh, and the last and final thing, which I think is super cool, the headless corpse in the end is the Betsy Palmer corpse, a.k.a. Jason Mo- Jason's mother's corpse recycled from Friday the 13th. I knew. I knew I knew that corpse. <laughs> I knew it. Yep, I really did. Something there. inside me said I've seen that corpse before. <laughs> Just the way it was beheaded. I don't know. <laughs> the sweater should have given forget. You never forget a good corpse when you see one. So, ratings and kill count. The total kills is seven. We have the girlfriend at the beach, which next slashed. Boyfriend at the beach strangled with piano wire. Hooker, which was strangled in the motel. Disco boy got shotgun to the head. Disco girl got shotgun to somewhere. Uh, The nurse that was stabbed through the back with the bayonet. And Rita, who was stabbed in the chest with a switchblade. And a bonus number eight, Frank, who stabs himself in the stomach with a bayonet. Also, he gets torn apart by zombies. And uh, since it's my movie, I will go first. My favorite kill, hands down, fucking Disco Boy. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that you were going to say that. Uh, So that is my pick as well. But I did throw in an honorable mention. You, you'd which have was, to be crazy not to pick it. Uh, the the scalping of Hannah Grace, uh, <laughs> the hooker. <laughs> yeah, she didn't get an actual name, so that's what I gave her, so I could say that line. If I had to, if I had to pick a runner up, man, I'd I'd have to say the uh, the Rita because it was it was such a it's such a scary thing. You know, I don't know, man, that it just really creeped me out, like how she did a really good job projecting the fear and he did an amazing job being fucking scary. And it was uh, amazingly written. It's not like a super gory kill, but it is a very realistic, very scary kill. So I would that would be my runner up. Yeah, I got to give it to to the hooker man. she yeah. I thought she played a uh, uh, 
a very realistic hooker in that situation because she tries <laughs> to like laugh it off and go along with it and it gets weirder and weirder and you can tell she don't really know what to do. But mainly, the main reason I give it to that is the scalping, but the strangle scene was also really good. Not for the the acting or the makeup necessarily. Like, her face didn't really turn purple like it should have. But mainly for the, the length of time and the suspense and unnervingness of that scene. It seems like it goes on for a really long time, and supposedly strangling somebody to death is a... Uh, it's not a quick process. All right, on to the rating. So my rating for this movie is a 3.6. I love that it's got lots of different kills. I think it has really good pacing. This movie kind of, it stays on the kills. Like we don't really have a huge chunk of time where there's, where there's no killing. Um, all the kills are different. That's awesome. Um, Joe Spinell was phenomenal hands down amazing in this movie he does creepy so well um i really like the mannequin thing i thought that was really cool uh i will say that the if i had to say something bad about it um the mom thing seemed really psycho to me you know they could have they could have done without that they, they I, that would that wouldn't hurt that wouldn't hurt me in my opinion if they would have made him crazy about something else but like like his girlfriend he was in love with yeah that was a photographer I actually would have liked that better um i didn't really know what i would want to replace it with when i originally wrote this but yeah that would be better i just felt like it was really similar to psycho and um you know i feel like we've seen a lot of movies where the guy is crazy the because of his yeah it's the yeah this this guy was actually um kind of based off of the ed gein case so yeah, that's there's there's probably more horror movie killers loosely based off of Ed Gein than I think anybody yeah, else God, in real yeah. life. But yeah, yeah, I'm going with the uh the old three point six. I I think this movie is I know the, how it looks and it's kind of it's low budget, so it turns a lot of people off. If you're a true slasher fan or you really want to watch a movie that has really good creepy vibes. Like there are some times where this is not a fun slasher, where this is a uncomfortable slasher. Then this is this is definitely a movie for you. Yeah, I agree that this movie looks like shit a lot of times. <laughs> um, it this it looks like shit, uh, especially in the beginning. I I would really like to see a remastered version of this movie actually, um, but I gave it a three point seven. Uh, overall, this is not like an amazing complex story. Like you said, we've, we've kind of, we've seen this before. I, I would have, I thought that they were going to go with the, the photographer girlfriend. And I thought the big reveal was going to be that they had actually jumped back in time halfway through the movie and we're going back and forth. And I thought that would have been a really cool twist, but yeah, overall, not, not an amazing story. No character building at all. Like, you just go from kill to kill. So you really get no character building at all in this movie. It falls short in a lot of places, but where it fell short, it made up for in special effects and suspense. I thought the pace at which the the, the build-ups and the kill happen is very slow, very suspenseful. And like you said, they're very 
they're very um, uncomfortable. Like they're just really uncomfortable uh, scenes. And I've said this before, even if it's not a good feeling, a good movie does a really good job when they make you feel something and you feel really unnerved, unnerved or unnerving. I think it's unnerved. You feel really unnerved at parts of this movie. Uh, the pace, like the slow down pace, I thought was great. I think one thing that's not obvious that does a really good job of making that you feel really just creepy is that they don't overplay the score. No, what I didn't I, even think about the score at all. <laughs> what, I, what I mean by that, I think a lot of movies nowadays put too much sound effects and score, suspense music. It takes away from that. It really, it really does. Like you're really there kind of thing. Because we were talking about the Rita thing and it's like you're waiting and waiting and you he's got the breathing you know he's there but you're just like and she walks into you know two three different rooms and you're just like wait what the fuck is going on and yeah they do a really good job the creeping the creepy factor with this movie really reminds me of uh like how the movie creep does where it makes you feel uncomfortable and it's weird. it feels real though too like they do with with when you just hear the actors in the scene and the 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 sounds that are going on like the footsteps and stuff and they don't put any background stuff there. Another thing this movie did is a lot of those scenes they only shot from like one camera, maybe two cameras. It really it 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 brings out the realism in it. So I thought as far as pace goes. Uh, with the suspense, I thought that was great. Obviously, though, the biggest thing which makes this movie uh, what it is, it takes it to a whole nother level, is the the special effects. Tom Savini uh, and his team did an absolute amazing job. Almost all the, the special effects kills in this movie are top-notch. I will say, you know, you're going to... If you're a true fan... Of, of slashers or at least good practical effects you ha- this is a must watch absolutely I probably rated this thing way too high when you take the movie overall like story and cinematography and everything but I, I just think the practical effects were, were so good you you have to give it a good rating yeah th- this is a hidden gem I definitely think that uh, this is a hidden gem. More people don't talk about this movie, or maybe it's they don't know about it. I don't know. Really, I don't really know. But uh, that's why I wanted to do an episode on it. Maybe we're just suckers for good, gory practical effects. Yeah, but I mean, it's not the practical effects aren't even like all of it with this movie. Like this movie has no, a lot going for it. It does have a lot going for it, but that's why I said I think the practical effects is what carried this movie into cult to to cult status it has a a very big cult following all those other things that we talked about that were really good that were rare that movies don't do very often it would have made a good movie but i don't think it would be still talked about today as much if it wasn't for the awesome special effects and the controversy that came along with that yeah Well, once again, we thank you guys for listening. Please give us a follow or like if you enjoy the show. 
Check out the website. Check out the socials. Tell a friend, a family member, or your blood-soaked mannequin about the show. And we hope to see you next time. You got any last words? Fuck you, TikTok. This is the last stop on this train. Everyone, please leave the train. Thank you for with MTA New York City Transit.